Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to uh, another edition of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me as always, Alicia. Alicia, how you doing today? I'm doing great, and I can see we have another guest on the show today. Yeah, we've got Josh Kaskinen, our boy from Santa Fe. How you doing, Josh? Good, good. Happy to be here, guys. Right on. Well, today we've got a special episode for everyone. We've got our uh, guest for the show, uh, Kaylin Ryden, our new sign-in to New Mexico United. Let's go ahead and bring Kaylin into the room. Kaylin, how you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Right on, right on. Now, uh, just kind of want to go around and kind of check in with everyone. Um, since Kaylin, since you're our guest, uh, what did you get into last night, Friday? What'd you do? What did I do last night? Yeah. Um, the wife and I watched a couple episodes of Killing Eve. Um, and we made a TikTok yesterday as well. So that was our day. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. You're killing it on those TikToks, man. Yeah. I mean, we've got tons of time on our hands. So we're just trying to have a good time, you know, put some smiles and laughs out there. Uh, but we're enjoying it as well, though. Um, making videos, killing time and just ha- having a good time, killing time. Right on. Yeah. Alicia, what did you get into last night? Homework. That's it. And then maybe just going for a run. Right on. Josh, what'd you get into? Yeah, yesterday I woke up and I thought, man, I want to just relax today. And then I did not. Um, so we, <laughs> me, me and my fiance have been going on like three mile walks with the dogs every day. But yesterday we also went to one of the open spaces in Santa Fe and did I, I hopped on my mountain bike while she went for a run. So that was pretty fun. And then we got some B-dubs takeout and watched some TV at night. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, myself, man, I just kind of made some scavenger sandwiches. So uh, I had a little leftover steak and some bacon and, you know, found this tomato that I bought the other day and some cheese and just kind of put it down in the skillet, kind of, you know, kind of went survival mode, just didn't want to have to make a full meal. So just kind of threw things together, you know, it's kind of how I do it here. Nice. All right. So, uh, Caitlin, we wanted to jump in. Uh, with you, obviously, I want to take it way back. Um, and I'd like to start off with something kind of inspirational. So I was looking you up a little bit on the internet. You know, you got so much things out there, I mean, mm-hmm. to pick from. But the one thing that I kind of liked was uh, when uh, uh, Norman North coach Don Rother said that uh, he said that I, I think Kalen is about the most dominant player uh, in the state at any position. Um, so can you take us kind of back to the Norman North days? Um, I know that I had heard in another interview, I think that you did with center circle that you had kind of played a little striker. That was that kind of the same time. Yeah. So that was mainly my, that was my senior season, um, at Norman North. Um, so I actually was an attacking player up until like my junior year of high school. That was the first time I'd ever played center back, uh, was my junior in high school. I first started playing soccer, I was a nine. I was a striker when I was young and um, I wasn't as big as I was now. Um, like I I hit my growth spurt way late. So I started out playing uh, striker and then I 
slowly moved like back into the midfield, played like on the left, like as a winger, uh, like, you know, my, my freshman and sophomore year um, in high school. And then like my sophomore year to my seat to, to my junior year, I like shot up to six, two from like five, seven. And, and so they threw me in the back line. I've been back there ever since, but actually my senior year at Norman North, I was named offensive player of the year as a defender. They did this kind of little, um, and then the, the defensive player of the year was actually a striker. And so the reason they did that is, so if like we needed a goal or like, you know, we were down a goal or we were tied and like we needed a goal, like they would throw me up top, like late in games or whatever. And I actually had nine goals and like nine assists my senior year, I think, in high school. Um, and then the guy who won defensive player of the year was a striker, but when they needed to hold a lead, they put him back on the back line. So they did like kind of a little, a uh, little fun, little spinoff like that. Um, so I think that's the reason why uh, my coach rather had, had made that statement because I kind of was playing the back line and, and up top. But doesn't it kind of seem like certain players um, have kind of more of an offensive prowess and others are kind of more defensive? Like you kind of see that, like, you know, as you're playing with people, like, throughout the year. I mean, you know, like, now that you've been – obviously that you've shifted to the back, I mean, obviously we still get to see points in your play where you stunt and you go all the way to the top. Like, has it been – like, has it been harder to get back up? Like, do coaches through, like, your playing career, like, when you're like, yo, I can get up, like, do they kind of take that serious or do – you know, like, no, usually I'm- – I think it's pretty understood that, you know, I'm a center back and that's where I'm going to play the rest of my career. So I'm going to finish. And I, and that's my thought process too. Like I wouldn't want to be anywhere else on the field. You know, that's where I'm most comfortable. That's where I feel that I'm most effective. Um, and, you know, I've been in that position for so long now. Um, I think that's, that's where I'll always be. And I think that's where coaches will always see me as well. I don't think anyone's going to look at me and be like, Oh, he could, he can play up top, you know. I think I'm pretty locked in at center back. It does seem like you're comfortable, like, controlling the ball, though. We saw in the Austin match, right before halftime, you, you took the ball up and you was streaked up the left side and threw that yeah. cross into Amondo. So, I mean, do you get some of that from your, your youth background? I, I think so. I mean, I think I just kind of have that. That's kind of always in my locker. It's not used too often. Um, I know what, you're, what run you're talking about against yeah. Austin. It's kind of the – that's not very normal. This is just kind of how the everything was set up, everything played out. Like it, it just that, to get forward. It may have just been a, a time constraint thing before halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but like I, I feel like I, like I said, I feel like that is something that I have in my locker. Not that I'm just going to pick the ball up on my own eighteen and just dribble ninety yards and go score, but you know, like I, I feel like I have some attacking background and. Um, I feel like I kind of have that mentality, like in the box on set pieces and stuff. Uh, the last couple of years, I've been successful in in scoring, you know, for for my position. So I, I do think that's that's still a, a part of who I am as a player, but it's not like the most dominant characteristic. That's awesome. Yeah, you can definitely see that in the intra squad match. There was a play where you actually took it through the middle all the way up into the other team's uh, uh, defensive third. So. You can definitely see that there. Yeah, that was. I think that was just before the game ended. It was. In, it was in the second half, mm-hmm. I think. And I think I played the. I can't remember who I played the ball out to, but I got crushed by somebody. Like I, I took. I, I, I picked it off like on top of the eighteen. I dribbled like 
50, 50 yards and I, and I played the ball out right. I think it might have been to Amanda. I can't remember who it was. I don't remember who's on my team. And I think it was Yearsy is the one who he was like, I'm either getting the ball or I'm taking Caitlin down. Because I was going to continue running. I was going to play it out wide and just continue going in the box. Um, and Yearsy was not going to let that happen. So. He was playing with some fire that day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, I feel like we're going to have to call you and Suggs wet and regular, wet and reckless because we know that both of you can actually take it all the way up to the top, you know, at any given point. Yeah, Suggs is more so than so, me, though, because he has that freedom of playing outside back. So he'll definitely be doing that more than me. <laughs> right on. So then um, you played – you went on to go to Oral Roberts, right, which is in Tulsa, yeah. uh, Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. So – uh, any any main decision to like stay home and go to school? Like, did you have other choices or places you wanted to go to at that point in life? Um, I did, and 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 actually had really nothing to do with like staying close to home. Um, honestly, Oral Roberts was like my only real Division One offer coming out of high school, and being in high school and the whole Division One hype and everything, I just kind of got caught up in that, and so I, I, you know, that was the main reason I took it. It was convenient being an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes from home. Um, but that was the real reason I first went to Oral Roberts um, was that was like my my best Division One offer. So so that's that's where I went. I wasn't really heavily recruited out of high school, to be honest. Pick up off of that. So, yeah, yeah we know that you played uh, – you had 35 appearances at, at Oral Roberts, but an injury kind of held you down. Um, and then you ended up transferring. So can yeah. you talk a little to that, like what that process was like and, and the decision yeah. to go to Midwestern State? Yeah, so, um, yeah, left left uh, ORU. There was an injury also, too. I kind, of, I kind of slipped up in the classroom and, you know, made some bad decisions, and that kind of affected my scholarship as well. So um, learned, learned a big lesson leaving ORU, that's for sure. Um, but so the assistant coach who recruited me out of high school, who was at ORU, he left ORU and went to Midwestern. Okay. So when he left, you know, he knew my situation. And and to be honest, like, you know, I wasn't – like ORU didn't pan out to what I thought it was going to be, the whole Division One hype. And I just – soccer-wise, I wasn't the happiest and I wasn't really enjoying – I wasn't enjoying soccer. And so he left and he was like, hey, come down here, you know, win trophies, be successful, da, da, da. Because Midwestern State's like a perennial, pro, perennial, you know, top 15, top 10 program. Um, and always, is, that, is that D2? Yeah, Division two. Okay. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I went down there and um, – and he was right, and I and and I kind of learned a, a lesson there too, just in terms of the level from Division One to Division Two. Like, I didn't feel like the level dropped. If anything, the level might have increased. Just the talent of players that were there, um, and you know, just who we were playing. And and I think in my two seasons there, I think I lost six games over two seasons. You know, and never, you know, there, we weren't in a conference then, but um, you know, I think I lost in the Sweet Sixteen in twice or sweet 16 elite eight i think the two years i was there um so yeah so i made that change mainly because of the the coach that was there and um he's i've known him since 2008 and we're still in touch and so he he was someone who i respected and was close to and so when he left and kind of sold it to me uh that was a big reason why i left and, and went to midwestern 
So something I was going to say before I cut out, because, you know, everyone's on the internet, social distancing, um, <laughs> is that, right, is that something we've, we've found in talking to players is that not a lot of players that we're seeing at this level were heavily recruited, you know, and, and the vantage point that we're looking at it, we're like, oh, man, like, you know, you, you've got all these different accolades, you know, you're playing on all these teams, like, at the right time, and then to find out that you're not very much, like, the groom, you're like the best man kind of scenario with mm-hmm. like, you know, with how you were recruited or how you were scouted after is really kind of, um, it's kind of shocking actually, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like I'm not knocking division one soccer at all or anything like that, or these big schools, obviously they're, they're big and, you know, prolific for a reason, but I feel like you are now you're seeing more and more of players, who might be coming from smaller schools. Um, and it's not that the guys who go D1 aren't good players. It's just, there's so many, like there's so much, so many teams now, like league one, league two, there's 34 teams in the USL. Like there's just a larger player pool now. So you're seeing more and more players come from these smaller schools or smaller areas or kids who weren't heavily recruited, but have the talent just for whatever reason, weren't seen. But now that there's just so much opportunity, you're seeing more and more players like that. Yeah. That's what I was uh, talking to Chris about the other day that here I've noticed here in like Albuquerque, New Mexico, that um, the players that play club, don't get me wrong. They have the talent, but it's just so expensive that there's other Mm -hmm. players who don't have the money who come from low, more lower income families who have uh, the talent as well and to be able to play in the D1 or even just go professional. Yeah. Well, I, and a path that's pretty common now or has been common for years is a lot of guys go to JUCO for a couple of years and, you know, they just kind of gain that experience, get, you get some exposure, you know, and they're in a place like a JUCO isn't as expensive as like an Indiana or a Clemson university, you know, these big D1s. And you see a lot, like, you know, when I was in Midwestern, um, you know, we brought in a lot of guys who played two years at small, small schools, but they were successful and they were playing in the, you know, JUCO national tournament. And there's a lot of people who go watch those tournaments because they know that those universities have players that you're speaking of who maybe come from lower income families or they know that there's good players there, but they just couldn't get to the Clemsons, you know, fresh out of mm-hmm. high school. And so you, you see a lot of people are like, oh, he spent two years at this JUCO and now he signed with, you know, Indiana or, you know, some big D1 or, you know, Stanford or whatever. Like that, that's pretty common now too. There's almost like a responsibility uh, from like coaching stabs and scouting stabs too to, to hit those games up and, you know, do their diligence to find those players mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of talent in, in the lower levels of college and, and professional. So when you uh, when you finished Midwestern State University, what's uh, what major did you finish with? Uh, mass communications with a minor in digital media. Um, but since I was drafted in January, I am a semester short of graduating. Oh, so uh, yeah. so so what's your plan on completing that? So I've so at Midwestern, if I want to go back, or if I want my degree from Midwestern, like the classes that I have to take that last semester are in class classes like that can't be taken online. Oh man. Um, I've also, I've, I've thought about like sending my transcript to Southern New Hampshire 
and just seeing with the hours that I have, like what degree, you know, like, you know, could I get a mass communications degree with you guys through this? And if so, like what classes would I need to finish? Um, but that is something I will definitely finish someday. I, I just don't know for sure what that plan is going to be, especially since I'm only a semester short. I can't not finish, you know. <laughs> um, and so, so, so it's probably one of those two options. I'm going to either have to go back to Midwestern for a semester, um, or submit my transcript to an online program to see what degree I could finish with them based off the hours that I have completed. When you said Southampton, it. it I kind of got a little shenanigans in my mind. I thought, man, is he going to the Institute of Technology? <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to. I felt like I felt like no it worries. was the moment. <laughs> did I say Southampton or did I, did I say Southern New Hampshire? Southern New Hampshire. You probably said Southern New Hampshire, and I, and I probably heard I South, like, Southampton. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then after, after school, then obviously uh, you get into the PDL. Um, you know, again, I've heard these on, on other interviews. You've, you've obviously you play for Des Moines Menace. Mm -hmm. uh, you play for Midland Odessa Soccer and then Austin Aztecs. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of cool because me and Josh, uh, before all of this uh, pandemic really started, we actually were like recording pre-episodes for the uh, U.S. Open Cup. And so we were uh -huh. mainly kind of digging into the lower league teams and mm -hmm. we were finding gems, if you will. Um, that we thought would be like, um, would like be worth, ones worthwhile matches to keep your eye on. And uh, yeah. 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 And I know we had brought up Des Moines Menace in there uh, as well. Um, mm -hmm. Really of those three different teams. I mean, my general question from the top is like, which team did you enjoy playing for the most and which one um, has done the most, do you think for your career thus far? Yeah. And uh, I, I've noticed that, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say confusion, but like, I don't know if it's Wikipedia, it's kind of worded weird, but so like I played PDL like during, like as I was playing in college. Right? Okay. So it wasn't like I, you know, like, like a lot of people thought, like I've done some interviews and they brought this up as well. I just, I, I don't know what you guys thought or assumed, but so like my, I played for Des Moines Menace the summer after my freshman year at Oral Roberts. So that was the summer of 2010. Is when that was, and then the Midland Odessa stint, if you will. Like I, I, I literally just guest played for them for like one weekend. <laughs> so like I, because I only have two appearances. Like I, I literally like I had some buddies. So when I transferred to Midwestern, I had to take summer school one summer, um, and it was like in the middle. Like I had like it was, like in the middle of the summer semesters. Like my buddies were like, hey, like. You know, we're we're the squad's a bit thin. Like guys who I played at Midwestern were playing for Odessa, and they're like, "Yo, we could use you." Like we've got we play Friday, Sunday this weekend. Like I've spoken to my coach, blah blah blah. And so like, I literally just signed and I played with them for two games, and then I went back to Wichita Falls, Texas. So that that wasn't even really. I, I don't really feel like I played for them. I just like signed <laughs> a quick little contract just to like to be on the roster for a weekend, and then played two games, and then I was back home or back in Wichita Falls. And then I played for the Aztecs the summer before my senior season um, at Midwestern, which is the summer of 2014. So I, I really enjoyed uh, the playing for, playing for Des Moines for sure. Um, not the most though, but Des Moines, that was like my first, and, it, and it's not professional, but like that was my first like 
professional environment feel. And I'm like, you know, 19 years old, like you just, you know, played my freshman season, you know, and like I was on top of the world. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to play PDL. And like, Oh, this is sweet. You know, like I'm going to go up there and like just live somewhere new for three months and play. And so like the excitement and just like the buzz that whole summer was, was pretty incredible. I really enjoyed that. And, um, it, they have a decent little stadium up there and they have a good fan base. And so just that whole experience and that, like, that was really enjoyable. Um, but for my, my career, I credit my summer playing for the Aztecs. That really, I think is what, I guess you could say, put me on the map, if you will. Um, and I had a really good season there. Um, I was, you know, Aztecs, Defend- Aztecs defender of the year. I, I, I was a part of like the, re- the all region team of that, that region of the PDL. Um, we went to like the, we lost to Ocala stampede at home in like the playoffs, like the second or third round. Um, incredible fan base down there for PDL. It was, it was, it was awesome. Um, and the next year the Aztecs were going to USL in 2015. So at the end of that summer, they were like, "Hey, we're really interested in bringing you, you know, here for the for the USL team because you know you'll be done with playing college, da da da, you know." Um, and so that was, and then that that first year in 2015, the Aztecs and Columbus Crew were affiliates, and so that's kind of how I got the end with Columbus, and they ended up, you know, drafting me, and that's how I, that all played out. So um, the Aztecs and playing down Austin was definitely the most beneficial to my career. And um, Austin's got a, a special place in my heart for sure when it comes to soccer. So really like, I mean, like when you got drafted by Columbus crew, I mean, we understand that th- these drafts are basically like in- invites out, right. To the, to mm-hmm. camps. Yeah. Um, so obviously like just kind of looking at everything, it doesn't, it looks like you're with them for just what? Like about, like, that- yeah. Yeah, just that that first year, and then the very end of the season, they released me, like just before the season ended. Now, do you think, like, like was that? Do you feel like that was the right decision, like for your career? I mean, obviously, like in the midst of it all, I, I couldn't imagine that you would be like, "Oh, yeah, that's good." But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that was a decision that was completely out of my hands. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, you're right though. It's I was in the fourth round of the MLS draft, and that's pretty much just like an invite, and later on in the season or later on in the preseason, I mean, the coaching staff in Columbus were like, we, we, we didn't know who you were, you know, I mean, they were, you know what I mean? Like, and I just went in there and I had a meeting with the coaches the last day of preseason and they slid over the contract, um, which was, which was pretty awesome. You know, I, th- they were like, you came in here, we had no idea who you were and you earned, you earned it, you know? So that was, that was really, really cool, really rewarding, um, especially as, you know, a rookie for that to happen. And then I went on loan to the Aztecs. Um, I think I played nine games there. And then they brought me back to Columbus for, there was like an international friendly that we, we had against Valencia uh, in Columbus. It was like a La Liga tour they were doing. Um, and then after that, I just like stayed and trained um, in Columbus and um, they were wanting to bring in someone late in the season and rookie rookie contracts you know nonetheless aren't the most secure so um it was like i want to say it was like the middle the middle of september i think they let me go so right before the end of the season still it's got to be very flattering to uh 
for them to tell you like they didn't know who you were, but then to kind of go as far as to kind of try to make it good and retain you. Yeah, no, and and that's the like the positive I take from it. Like, yeah, I, I was released, and that was kind of a crappy situation. But um, just looking back on the entire year, and just like you know, showing up to preseason and and earning that, you know, that was gave me a lot of like belief and confidence. And you know, I understand that the MLS is a business, just like any other you know, team or any other business corporation in the, in the country. And I wasn't playing, you know, and I was just training, and I wasn't. You know, I wasn't in the, the depth chart in terms of getting on the field. And so they wanted to bring somebody who was going to be a part of the field or on the field. And so and and they let me go. And, and it is what it is. But uh, happy for it. Grateful for it. it yeah. Learned a lot. It was a good experience. Was it pretty much uh, like predetermined after you signed your contract that you were going to go on loan down to USL? Or was there like a chance that you could maybe crack the first squad? Um, I don't think it was like, uh, oh, we're drafting you to send you you know, on loan, um, that's, you know, I, I think I was there, you know, fighting for a little, it was never, like I said, it was never like they had a conversation with me saying, Hey, you know, you know, you're going to come through preseason with us and then we're going to send you right away. Right. It worked out. And I don't know if that was the original plan. That wasn't like in their heads already. Yeah. And I also too, I think Paul Dagleish, who was the head coach at the Aztecs, you know, he was wanting me is like to bring me down. So I think it was more so Austin reaching out saying, Hey, you know, we'd like to have him down here. If, if he's not going to be in your 18 man roster. Gotcha. You know, so. Okay. So then you, uh, once you got, once you got waived by the crew, then you were signed with, uh, Oklahoma city energy. So obviously mm-hmm. coming home, you know, signing that pro contract, USL, Oklahoma city energies is a USL championship at this point. Right. Yeah. And how good was that just to that contract locally? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. It really was, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm being super picky here, but I'm originally from Norman, Oklahoma. That's like where I'm from, which is like 20 minutes, like South, 20 miles South of, of Oklahoma city. And, uh, but I mean, I still felt home. It wasn't like I was like not home. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, every game having, you know, all, like my fine, oh, excuse me, my family, you know, for sure. Aunt, uncle, you know, grandma came for a game, um, friends, you know, so that aspect of it was really nice. Just constantly having, you know, somebody in the stands at every home game um, and, you know, being the, the local kid, if you will, you know, and, and just really showing, because, again, Oklahoma is not a big soccer state, or at least it wasn't when I was growing up and still wasn't when the, the energy first, you know, came around. But just to be like some kind of example or, you know, show these kids who are from Norman or these smaller towns in Oklahoma, like, listen, I'm from here and, you know, I'm here. Like, you know, you, you can be here as well. Um, so being that kind of example for the, the community uh, and being being the, the hometown kid was was really cool. So then again, after that, you signed with Jacksonville Armada, and then, of course, that brings you into into Real Monarchs. But I know you signed with Jacksonville. Um, like I've I've listened to other interviews. I mean, it, I didn't really get too much out of it. I'm not really sure, like, like what the what what the hype was behind Armada as far as if like there was something that if because I know a lot of the interview I've heard is like, oh, like that was a bad situation for 
some players, not really sure the politics behind it. I didn't really do that much research into that part of it, but Mm -hmm. still you did play there under Mark Lowry for a year. Um, How was that experience for you personally? I mean, as far as just the growth of your career. Uh, That was very, very vital for my career. I give a lot of credit to to Mark, uh, Mark Lowry, the coach out there who obviously is now the head coach of El Paso. Um, uh, Just his, his style of play and just how he, you know, gets his players to believe in themselves and believe in the system and, and uh, really be confident on the ball. I mean, I'm, you guys have seen El Paso a couple times, obviously last season. I mean, a team that likes to keep the ball no matter what, you know, keep the ball, possess, 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 you know, and he's very good at that. And so that wasn't really, not that I couldn't keep possession of the ball, but in that manner, that was never really something that was like instilled in me like it was in Jacksonville. Um, And so just that like calmness and composure and confidence that I grew in that year on the ball as a center back, um, really did a lot for me, and I credit all that to Mark. Um, and I and I really enjoyed that season for sure. Um, being out in Florida wasn't the worst either, <laughs> right? Light, yeah. light, on the on the light note there, yeah, on, on the beaches there, about ten minutes from my apartment. <laughs> right on. So then, Real Monarchs, two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen. Um, obviously, two time Defender of the Year. You know, just stacking those chips. um you know and obviously i mean you came in there i know on your debut you scored right so that was like your first goal and i think you did you have your your second goal like right after that yeah no i scored a brace actually in my home debut of the the monarchs that was against portland timbers um that was just before our stadium opened that was at rio tinto where we played that game um, the first game we were on the road to Tulsa, and I came off the bench. And then the second game it was I started that game, and then yeah, had a brace. First ever brace, only brace. In my <laughs> oh man, so so now that that accolade is good. You'll be looking for that Hattie pretty soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I will. we'll get you another. I should have had it that game. To be fair, I was really upset. I should have had. I should have had four goals that game actually. Okay. Um. Actually, I wanted to to double back real quick to that Jacksonville stuff. Um. In your experience, is there much of a difference either from the soccer side or the business side uh, between North American Soccer League and USL? Um, I mean, I'll say business side, and I'm not speaking personally. Sure, sure, I, sure. There was a – I mean, like I knew players who were in the league that were making some decent money. And so I, the, the money – and that's why I'm saying the business side of it. Maybe there was a tad bit more money in some of these bigger clubs. Um but I mean, I came into a Jacksonville that didn't have an ownership group when I was there. Um, but um, in terms of the soccer, I definitely would say the NASL was a that season that I was there, and I think overall, I think the NASL was a much older league. Like I think the average age was okay. would have been a much older than the USL. I mean, you've oh, got, well. you know, you know these two teams, you know, in the USL, the 18, 19 year olds, like. I would say the average age probably the NASL was probably more mid twenties, if not late twenties. I mean, um, yeah, we had some young guys here and there, but I think overall it was a it was an older league, and I think that the NASL was a bit more. When I compare the leagues, if there is a comparison, I always compared it as the NASL being a bit more possession oriented. So, like, were like I think teams in the USL or in the NASL would 
you know, retain the ball for two, three, four minutes at a time. Okay. You know what I mean? Whereas maybe there's there's more turnover and and time of possession in the USL. You know, a bit more kind of like a, it's slow. I feel like a slower game in the yeah. NFL. That's pretty more. pretty similar to the comparisons you hear today between like USL West and USL East. Yeah, yeah. So so definitely a bit slower. I think uh, where I think the USL is a bit you know more fast paced and you know maybe not in a bad way, but you know maybe a bit more chaotic at times. You know, just kind of like you know. Um, but th- that was definitely my 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 comparisons of the two leagues. Cool. Did you want to dive right into these questions, Chris? Yeah, let's definitely jump into these questions. So we got we got uh, questions for you on a, on a lighter uh, half of the of the stick here. So yeah, you know, thanks for getting sure, us. Okay. I can stop sweating now. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, man. You pa- you passed it. You passed the, the tough part of it. <laughs> all right, go Not ahead, Josh. Fun stuff. So I I had written this question before all this shutdown. You know pandemic stuff but uh i mean i think you've had some time now what's your favorite restaurant in albuquerque favorite restaurant in albuquerque um man i would have to say and i'm only because i feel like i because i still have a list i've got a list of, of restaurants when i got from the guy when i first got here and we've got a lot more to go obviously like you said the quarantine has killed all that um can I can I give you two categories? Can I do a breakfast? I love it. So, so Jay and I, we've been a flying star like three oh, yeah. or four times, and their breakfast is phenomenal. Um, and in terms of like quality of food, it's not really a New Mexican place, but I like Matanza a lot. We've been there a couple times as well. It's right there in Knob Hill. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I'm talking to you like you don't know. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been there, but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, we've been there a couple times. Um, and it's it, it's really good, um, yeah. Like I said, I've got an entire list. Have you uh, have you been to Frontier yet? Absolutely, uh, which which I, I do think is good. Um, I think that's more of like kind of like a like a sloppy meal, yeah. you know. Um, but it's good. It's a great sloppy, um, and and we've been there a couple of times too. Uh, and I've gotten their breakfast burrito there, pretty good. And I've got like enchiladas. So try to try to roll though. To get the sweet roll. Uh, we have gone to we we got a cinnamon roll one time and we shared it. It was it was really good, <laughs> really good. <laughs> right. So you got to try Doghouse. Okay, so actually, uh, we were picking up vinaigrette I think the other day, and we passed right past uh, right past Doghouse, and it was packed. Like there were yeah. people in the parking lot, obviously getting food like brought out to them. But I mean, the parking lot was full, and I was like, that's obviously a good sign that like people there. <laughs> So uh, and I and I'm a fan of of, of hot dogs and um, so we'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah, you definitely have to. Right on. So I got the next question. Um, can you share a time with us uh, that you came under great adversity uh, in the lower leagues and how you eventually overcame it? Um, I mean. I would probably just go back to um, that first season, my first season uh, playing PDL with the Menace. You know, earlier I spoke about, you know, just feeling on top of the world and just kind of with my freshman season. But I, I would, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't show up there and I was just completely nervous. And, you know, because I, I went there, I knew nobody on the team. Like none of my teammates were there. Nobody I knew was there. And so, like, I'm just this – 
guy from Oral Roberts showing up, you know, um, don't know anybody. And so I, I definitely remember the first couple of weeks um, just being just kind of nervous and like, you know, I don't know the coaching staff. No one you know, knows me. And some of these guys are coming from like Creighton and these bigger schools. And I just felt like, you know, just I wasn't the most comfortable. So um, I would definitely say, you know, those, the, those first few weeks with, with the menace, um, I eventually settled in and, you know, obviously became closer friends with guys on the team. And, you know, I had roommates and stuff, but I definitely took some time and, some some mental some mental battles took place you know those first few weeks there Lucy you got the next one yeah so um on Instagram I saw that you're a fan of The Bachelor (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I wanted to ask you what did you think about Peter this season um well before we continue I will say that this is the first and only season of The Bachelor I've ever watched so I haven't been a fan for like decades or anything or years. Um, but um, yeah, I got, I definitely got into it this year. I, I really in, enjoy the just ridiculous and what I consider at times fake drama. It's just yeah. so entertaining. Um, I don't know. I, and I did have a tweet uh, during the season. I think, you know, I think Peter made some bad decisions for sure. Um, yeah. And he really had no idea what he was doing. And, and, if you look at him now, he's back. He's with Kelly apparently now in Chicago. And he, oh, and he, he is. Yeah, you didn't know I that. No, I didn't know. <laughs> see, yeah, you are you are the big fan. Yeah, see, yeah. I like. I know. You got to stay on top of it. Um, I just watched The Bachelorette. That was my first season with Hannah. Oh, okay. Well, and and at the very end, you know, he had Maddie or Hannah Ann and. And Maddie walked away, and then so he just like felt like he needed to propose. Like that was a horrible decision. Like he shouldn't have proposed to her. Oh, yeah. He knew that he didn't want to be with her. Um, and then he goes back to Maddie to try and work it out with her, and then they try again and doesn't work. And then now he's back with Kelly in Chicago, and so <laughs> the guy clearly had no idea what he was doing. Um, very frustrating season. And there were many nights and many episodes where I was throwing pillows up in the air and yelling at the TV. At <laughs> I hated his excuse when he was like, I'm just human. I make mistakes. And I'm like, you've been making the same mistake. Yeah. And, he, and he, how many times did he say, I'm sorry, I'm human? He said it every episode. Mm-hmm. You only say sorry so many times. Okay, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Josh, you got the next one. Yeah, so we've seen we've seen your comedic side lately. We've seen your your quarantine techniques. Your, your we've seen your TikToks. Uh, but who do you think is your funniest teammate? Um, man, that's a good question. And I feel like I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna give you a couple answers as well. Okay, we'll take them because they they got different uh, different um, comedic styles. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> so the first I'll give you is David Estrada. Okay. And I think he's like an underrated funny guy. But the reason being is because he's not always like involved with the banter and the humor, but he pops up every now and then and he, and he's good. He's on it. You know, like he'll just kind of like say something like, just like that's a part of the conversation. You know, he'll just kind of drop something. And I think, I think he's, he's underrated, but he's, he's, he's funny. <laughs> but again, not always, not always a part of the, the, the laughing scene, but he he pops up and he, he he's got some good one-liners or you know and, and he's funny. 
Um, and mainly just for being just a fool all the time. Um, it's got to be Padilla for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, he's always, you know, laughing or cracking a joke or making fun of somebody, you know. So he's always on it in terms of just, just going at people and causing problems just in like in a good way, like, you know, making a joke or making fun of somebody's technique in the gym or whatever, you know, just he's, he's always on it. So those would be my two. Are you, uh, are you able to keep yeah, you know, on, I, on the quick witted side or is your, your style? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm a humble guy, so I don't want to say myself, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty funny as well. <laughs> so, um, uh, I'll, I would definitely be like top five at okay. least on the team for sure. Yeah. It's funny that you say Padilla because I, I was looking at Instagram last night and uh, Salih, Salih has posted those pictures of himself. I think one of them is going against Devin. Yeah. And, uh, and all the pictures were tight. And then I scroll down and I see, but Diego, isn't that the one where Devin took you out? And I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he Manny loves commenting on, on our, all of our posts, and it's usually like a stupid comment or something like very sarcastic. <laughs> he comments on mine. He's like, "Great pictures, man!" Or, nice photo. Like you know, we always like comment on those photos like that and just like, act a fool. You know, but I honestly think that that's what's cool about this squad is that y'all are so like you're so interwoven that way. Like you guys like to kind of like, you know, have the banter and the shenanigans and, mm -hmm. and that's like stuff that the way that we normally see it, I think sometimes as fans is we see what is kind of orchestrated through like the club, like social media. So obviously some of that stuff is kind of, you know, take it as you will. It's not always like authentic, but when we see y'all like kind of doing stuff like on the side, like through the posts, it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, and especially during this time, it's good yeah. to know that our boys are like, you know, are, are getting along and, you know, yeah. and having a little like vibe like that on the side. Yeah, um, it's important. So I got, I got the next question. So what genre of music do you least like that you find yourself mocking the most? Ooh. Ooh. Interesting twist there at the end. What music or genre of music do you least like but find yourself mocking the most? Oh, yeah. Um, I would definitely have to say, like, maybe, like, punk rock. Okay. Go into it. I don't really like it, but I feel like when it's on, I'm always like – you know, like I do that, you know, like, and so I, I consider that mocking maybe, you know, just kind of being like, uh, my wife used to love, like when she was in high school, she was all about like emo music. And so I still kind of bring that up as a joke, like my chemical romance and like all those bands. From back <laughs> the day. And so like, sometimes when those songs are on, she's like, Oh, I love this song. And I'm like, da, 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 da. like, I kind of like, you know, maybe like make, make, make fun at her a little bit for doing it. I, I just see you wetting your hand and going, throwing the little emo comb over. Yeah. <laughs> my nails black. There you go. Yeah. You got yeah. some practice with that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I just painted the nails, so I'm good. I, I can do that now. <laughs> All right. That's you the best of try nice doing her makeup now. Yeah, she actually did recommend that. She was like, I want to do. And I was like, I have no clue, like, what's what or what to put on when. I have no idea. She's like, well, I'll tell you. And she also suggested me doing her hair. And I was like, I don't I, like if I did like a curling iron or a straightener, I'd probably just burn her hair off. I, I, don't like her hair. <laughs> I showed that video to my, my fiance this morning and I was like, I hope this doesn't get any ideas because I would butcher it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's. It, I thought it was going to be fairly easy. It, I didn't. It was. <laughs> Alicia, you got the next question. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of more of a serious one, but I'm with sorry, just man. coming sorry. off, <laughs> with just coming off a championship win with the Monarchs, what made you decide to come to New Mexico? Um. So, you know, I had. And a, a vision for how I wanted things to pan out in Salt Lake City um, with the Monarchs and the first team and everything. And, um, you know, I played my two years there. Um, I was happy with how things went, how I played. Um, and there just wasn't wasn't going to be a future in Salt Lake anymore for me, uh, which is fine. Um, and just with my aspirations. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to be part of a successful independent organization. When I say independent, I mean like not a two team, you know, like a right. independent organization. Um, we came here last year. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the stream last week of the Monarchs uh, United game they replayed, but I spoke about just the atmosphere here and just kind of in such a short time, like what has been built here was incredible. And so obviously for any player in the league, I mean, this place was attractive um, as a place that players want to be at for that reason, um, just for the, the community aspect, the, the fan base, um, just how much like love and passion is here um, for soccer. And also too, uh, Troy and I have kind of been playing tag, if you will, for the last few years in terms of just speaking in the off season and things like that. Um, we had a, a very like um, brief professional relationship. Um, him and my agent spoke, you know, years ago and every off season have spoken. And every time I saw him, you know, just shake hands. Hey, hi, Troy, good to see you, you know, real quick. And so Troy and I kind of had a little relationship. It was a partnership that, you know, we wanted to make happen. And so, those those were, were the two two big reasons why this was a, a um, you know a top top choice uh, for me uh, heading into last off season. And what about um, you know getting to sign on your wedding day? Like, how did that work out? So I or I we we got married on a Saturday the fourteenth, and Friday the thirteenth. Um, was when like we finalized everything with my agent and, and here in New Mexico, and my agent was the one who brought up the idea, and he was like, "Hey, listen, you know, I'm gonna I'm coming to the wedding. I can bring the contract. You can sign it on the wedding day. It might be something kind of cool, you know." And I was like, "Well, let me speak to the boss, and let me ask her and, and see if that's all right." Um, and so, yeah, my agent's idea. I loved it. My my wife loved it. She was like, "I'm on board," you know, um, and so we thought it'd be something fun and it's going to be like, a, obviously your wedding day is something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Um, and so that's just another cool aspect, another cool memory to have on that day. Um, and I'm really glad that, that we did it. Yeah. That, that was really cool. That, that was like very top dedication right there as a player. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, obviously like the conversation has always been that we're having lately anyways is, you know, people into pro rail talks, and there's always talks about two teams and should they go down to League One and such. And 
you know, and the idea that, you know, the main team brings up the players, obviously, in the later part of the season, and they're trying to, you know, push for postseason, and, you know what I mean, and, and the two teams left there to kind of rot, so to say, but, I mean, your two team ultimately pushed for a championship, so, I mean, that kind of, like, killed the idea that all two teams are not beneficial, so, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like, I guess I just want to kind of get your general thought on like, you know, you know, will other, do you think other two teams will be the way that like the way the Monarchs were, where they actually tried to push for a title or do you think it generally is like, we'll pull all our best players and then this team will just kind of be that. Um, I mean, I mean, I can only speak for the Monarchs in terms of what we were trying to do. Um, you know, I, just my personal opinion, I see, some of these two teams as like a development, you know, they, they, they bring in some of the Academy guys and younger players coming up, you know, um, I think the Monarchs was a good mix of young Academy and then just kind of, you know, USL, I don't want to say veterans, but just like, you know, USL players who've been around for a while. And then like, you know, some first team guys. Um, and I mean, we had a core group of guys, uh, like myself, Jack Blake, Conrad Plua, like Michael Chang, um, you know, guys who have been in the league for a few years or, you know, been in professional soccer for a few years who, who were like, listen, like we're, we're here to win. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, like I'm developed, you know, like, I, you know, I, that's on our mindset. Like we're here to win a championship. And I think I, I credit, you know, those guys are my really good friends and, and myself and, and us core four or five really instilling that mindset within our team. Like, you, you know, we're, we're not here to, you know, maybe like these other teams in terms of developing or just kind of bringing guys down just whenever, like we wanted to win a championship and that was the goal from day one. And that was understood through everybody. Um, and I know that was, that was understood from, you know, like our GM, like, you know, they brought in players like us, you know, if, if they wanted to just have an academy and develop players, they wouldn't have signed players like myself and Jack Blake and Conrad Plua and Michael Chang, you know, and I'm just speaking with the Monarchs. I mean, we, we right. put, I'm pretty sure, you know, GM and our front office put together a team that was good capable of winning each other. Um, you know, we got four or five guys down from the first team that were with us throughout most of the season. They were, under, they were, they were a Monarch, they were part of that team, and, you know, they're here to win a championship too. So that mindset last year was very, very imminent. Everyone believed it. Um, and so uh, it obviously came through as well. Right on. Who's got the next one? Uh, Josh, I think that you? Yeah. So, you know, kind okay. of kind of building off that, you know, you mentioned your, your friends, Conrad and Jack, but so, so not counting the Monarchs, which team are you looking forward to facing the most this season? Um, I mean, everyone, everyone loves going to Phoenix for sure. That's always a good game. Um, but Oklahoma city is always a game that's on my calendar. And that's just cause I, I need like 40 tickets, you know, it's (laughs) awesome, you know, just having all my family there and friends and stuff. And so that, that game every year is always on, on my, uh, it was always circled, you know? Um, so I would definitely have to go with Oklahoma city for sure. That's going to make it. Is there any players there that, that you played with that are still there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, both goalkeepers, Cody Lorindy, CJ Cochran, um, are there. Kyle Highland is still there. Um, I think that might be it. Okay. Um, but I, I go back home. Um, 
you know, and that's kind of who I train with in the offseason. I see some of those guys. So there's guys on that team that I just know from know from knowing guys that play there still or it's just seeing them in the offseason and stuff. So awesome. Right on. All right. So I got the uh, the next question. All right. Uh, so, you, you know, I told you earlier that I made a scavenger sandwich, you know, last night. Yeah. Um, so. So here's a question to you, because I feel like you got your, you know, your way around the kitchen pretty well from what I've seen. Um, yeah. So if you only get five things in the fridge, what are they and what are you making? All right. I'm five things in the fridge. I got to have eggs. I love a good omelet and just eggs in general. I eat like every day and you can, you can have eggs for lunch, dinner, breakfast, whenever. Um, hmm. Man. Fridge and freezer. Can I use the freezer as well? Oh yeah, I guess you could. It's still, it's still five things total though. Yeah, I know five things total. Yeah. Not five and five. Okay. So eggs, um, probably, man, this is tough. Probably like a salad mix. Love a good salad. Um, off to a boring start here, huh? <laughs> um, I should have put those five things in your fridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some. Man, this is tough. Some. Um, some kind of like chicken, like a like like a. Like ground chicken or like we we like to buy this like pre-seasoned like fajita chicken. That's the kind of like all sliced up you can use for whatever you want. Um, probably some some like some like burger patties as okay. well. Um, and then one more thing, right? That's four. And then I'm trying to think what's in my fridge now. Um, <laughs> See, I figured that was right on. Yeah. And I don't want to say uh, maybe some bacon. Okay. So I, with the with the burger patties, you know, I burger, I put a nice little over easy egg on top, some bacon on there as well, bunless, you know, less carbs. Um, and then – you know, the chicken can be used with anything, the salad, and then omelet, you know, eggs for breakfast, got bacon as well. I think right. I can survive off that. Are you a bre- breakfast for dinner kind of guy? Oh, I love breakfast. <laughs> I will eat breakfast any time of the day. I, I normally don't cook breakfast for dinner, though. Um, but, like, I've got no problem having, like, pancake, pancakes, eggs, and, and toast or and bacon at, like, 9 p.m. No problem at all. Awesome. Breakfast is by nice. far my favorite meal. Nice. Lisa, you got the next one? Yeah. So I heard that you're kind of like a photographer. So do you have any like favorite places that you like to shoot here in Albuquerque or want to shoot? Um, I would love to go back to White Sands. So I went there for the kit the kit reveal video. That place was gorgeous. Um, I'd love to go back there and take some photos for sure. Um I've I've heard about is it Jimenez Falls? There's like a waterfall that's not too far out from here. Oh yeah, Jimenez. Or Jimenez, sorry. Um, uh, that place looks pretty photogenic. Um, and and really just kind of any 
any like outdoorsy area, like scenic area. I haven't really done too much. I've done some like downtown photography, just walking around. I haven't really explored too much photography wise here. Um, I've, I'll definitely reach out to uh, Josh Lane to get some ideas because he's, he's top dog around here when it comes to the media. So, um, but uh, if you guys have any recommendations, let me know. But uh, I haven't gotten out too much. I haven't really done much research either. Right. Um, so, uh, oh, uh, do no, you have like any nerdy techniques that you're kind of proud of? Nerdy techniques, like in terms of yeah. photography? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say nothing really nerdy. I mean, I like the one technique that I've like – uh, not that it needs much teaching, but like the, they're called like long exposure shots where, you know, you don't know how familiar you guys are with, with photography, but pretty much you click, you know, the camera uh, to like take a picture and it like takes a picture for like a long time. So like if light moves, you know, it catches okay. the light moving and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so that like, if you ever see a picture that has like streaks, like if cars, you know, they, they drive by, you see the red or the white streaks of, of the headlights or taillights, you know, um, that's kind of really the only, only technique that I, I kind of, I kind of know with, with photography. So I guess that'll be my, my nerdy one. Hey man, that's pretty <laughs> sick. Yeah. Have you ever shot any sports shots? I actually have. Yeah. Um, uh, they, uh, they let me go sideline a couple games last year for Real Salt Lake. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and I actually went there for the, uh, um, RSL galaxy game. So I got some Zlatan photos, which is pretty nice. cool. Oh man, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've done a couple sporting events. Um, uh, well, the couple being the two or three that I shot last year for RSL, but that was a cool experience. Right on. So, uh, Josh, you want to jump this, you want to, let's, let's jump down to some of those curse questions. Yeah. Let's, let's, do it. let's ask those. Yeah. So, uh, so Kevin Wilhelm, he asks, uh, how are you liking Albuquerque so far? Uh, I'm really liking it. Well, no, I'm really liking my apartment. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's but, in uh, no, I mean, when we first got here, we, you know, we did a lot of exploring and just kind of driving around and seeing what's, what's around. And there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, the, the cultural and like art aspect of this place is like no other. Um, so much good food. It was a lot more scenic than I had anticipated. Like I wasn't, I've been here, you know, I was here last year to play and, I've driven through a couple of times, but like, I just, I guess I never really remembered like the mountains and just kind of the scenery around here and uh, just the elevation just throughout the city. Like just, you can go to a different part of the city and be able to see the entire city. And, uh, and it's, it's really, so it's just really a lot prettier than what I had remembered in terms of the, the, the scenery. Um, and, and we slowly acclimated to just areas around Knob Hill, you know, downtown, um, we've been to Santa Fe, you know, and so it's, we're, we're really liking it a lot. Kind of upset that we're stuck inside right now. Yeah. It's right. gotta be like a real tease, yeah. you know? Yeah. Very outdoors. You do like a lot of trails and like parks and stuff. It's just, there's a lot to do for sure. And then, uh, Rachel Johnson asks, what are you doing to keep up your conditioning during the stay at home order? So, um, Besides the hat- Oh, sorry. Say that again. Besides the hat- hat- <laughs> um, so shout out to our, our team at Elevate. That's the gym that we work out with. Um, they have sent us an entire program, um, weightlifting and conditioning. Um, and so 
we all had to go like just before like it was like serious we all picked up uh went to elevator picked up like a 25 pound plate and so they've created a workout based off just a 25 pound plate so we can just we can do it in the living room you know what i mean um so that's that's really really cool and it comes with running and stuff and the conditioning part which uh, a few of the guys here like we kind of get out and we go on like trails to get out you know and stuff um and also to troy a few weeks ago came by and dropped off everyone has like their own ball as well and so we've got like technical stuff that we're doing and uh sometimes like we get out in the parking garage and here at our complex and you know play two touch and just mess around so we, we've got a program though that that um elevate and, and our staff has sent out to us that we're that we're on so um living room workouts aren't the most fun or exciting but uh but hey we gotta do what we gotta do right now so yeah. i'm trying to see some of that action man <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, okay so i've got a couple too um uh this one i guess goes a little bit back to to soccer a little bit but uh, Jeremy Hadamia wants to know, uh, um, what formation are you hoping to play in the back? Um, I mean, I I don't necessarily have a favorite. I mean, I know there's the three five two formation or the, just the standard four four two or four three three. Um, I mean, I'm not really hoping to play one or the other. Um, I just, you know, you know, we play four at the back, obviously against Austin, and you know that's a formation I'm comfortable with. And I'm also comfortable with playing three at the back as well. Um, not necessarily hoping one or the other. Um, I'm fully confident that Troy is going to, you know, field the best team in the best formation. So um, don't really have a, a preference or, or a hope on, on either. So kind of a boring answer. Sorry. <laughs> nah, you're good, man. Don't even worry. Uh, Kevin McCann. Um, he wants to know, uh, what is it like playing against United at the lab? Oh, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I mean, it was really, I mean, it's really, really exciting though. I mean, as an away team, you know, it's going to be loud and, and we as players love, you know, playing in environments like that and love playing in front of thousands of people and it being loud. Um, you know, when you get five scored on you, though, it's not the most <laughs> exciting when it's loud like that. But, I mean, I, I think that most most teams and most players are like, oh, yeah, I love going to Phoenix, love going to New Mexico, like love going to these places that have atmospheres because it really adds to the game. Um, and even though these fans aren't necessarily on your side, it really, like, just adds a completely different, you know, dimension to the game and is really, really cool to experience – it really, you really feel like you're in like a professional environment. You know, you see these games on TV in front of 40, 50,000 people. And, you know, um, you kind of get a little taste of that when you come to places like the lab. So, cause that's the replay they're showing tonight, right? Say that again. That's the replay they're showing tonight, right? Um, I think they're showing the Cinco de Mayo game against San Antonio. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, so when you come into the lab and you see like 15,000 strong or whatever, just chilling or, whatever, 14,000, but you see that many fans just posted up. I mean, like, what is, like, what are you thinking, like, in your mind? Uh, again, like, so reverting back to, like, like, when you first get there and you walk out and you, and you kind of feel the atmosphere building, like, even though those aren't our fans or they weren't my fans last year, like, you still build off of that, you know, as, as an away team because you're, like, yeah. oh, a great crowd and, and you always want to, like, you, you can harness that as an opponent, 
you know, just like, oh, this is a sick atmosphere, like great field, like great environment, great, you know what I mean? Like those things like build like the hype and, oh, excuse me, and like just kind of really can get you going, even though they're not your fans. And there's also a very rewarding aspect of like silencing that that crowd. Okay. Yeah. You have that kind of motivation and like drive, like, you know, like let, let's shut these guys up tonight. You know, let's come out here and, and win this game and, you know, um, so there's kind of both sides. So use them to kind of use their like uh, atmosphere and their level of volume to kind of get you going and riled up, you know, and then use that to your advantage to then, you know, take that on the field and, and hopefully win the game and score goals and then shut them up. And then shutting <laughs> them up adds to your motivation because you're like, oh, look, we've, we've quieted all these guys. Like, you know, us 11 have quieted 15,000. Like, right. You, you feed off that as well. So, okay. Uh, Billy Bab wants to know uh, uh, what's what's the first New Mexico thing? Stay at home order is is ended. So Destination, gonna, experience, food, etc. He says. Oh, what's the first thing I'm going to do once the thing? Yep. Oh man, and he, he what he's and it's like a New Mexico thing. Like yeah, New Mexico thing. He says destination, experience, food, etc. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to be very excited to drive to our training facility and practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll start off with that one. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to have to be like a restaurant or something because, you know, my wife and I get out and like go do a hike or a trail, you know what I mean? To get out, um, of our apartment for a while. I mean, I would definitely, I would just say, yeah, just going to a restaurant and sitting down and just like feeling normal again. I feel like that's going to be something that's really going to be like, oh, we're back to normal. Like I'm in a restaurant ordering from a waiter and, you know, people are around. Um, and they're less than six feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm definitely going to be very excited to get my car and drive to practice. That's for sure. Nice. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> right on. Alisa, so you got I to have. Yeah, so I have the kind of last of the bunch of the questions. So Tom Luzia is asking, so what will it take to get your buddy Conrad Plula to come to New Mexico? Oh, man. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it would take much because I'm here. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I would love for him to be here. Uh, I know he just signed um, for the Cosmos, though. Um, he's, he's staying back home, just recently engaged. Um, he, I think he wanted to, to stay close to home and that kind of worked out best for him now. Um, I mean, I would hope that I could just call him and be like, yo, Conrad, I want you here. You know, the fans want you here. Apparently like we got to get you down here and I got to get a phone with Troy, you know, part <laughs> of my recommendation. Um, but, uh, I mean, I would love for him to be here, but he's, he's, uh, he's locked up for this year at least. So. Tom, Tom is the guy who asked that question. He's very proud of his Polish heritage. So that's why. Oh, okay. There we go. That's, <laughs> I figured there was some kind of, either someone knows him or yeah, is Polish or whatever. Yeah, that that's what Polish. <laughs> um, so. Um, Rafael Arias is asking, so the good old Wiener, green or red? Oh, green. 1000%. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're my favorite player now. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Green all the way, baby. 
<laughs> and uh, lastly, Lindsay Allen is asking, so what's your favorite video that you made so far during the social distancing? Um, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, both of, well, both, three now, right? Three? The ones with my wife have been like the most fun to make, but I think like just the most fun one that kind of caught was my first one that kind of caught some traction was the cushioned headers when I was going to lay down. Lay my oh yeah. yeah. That was, that was kind of what started all the madness. And since I got such a good response, I was like, Oh, I'll make some more. And then, you know, we've, we've made some now together. Um, but I would just say the first one, just cause I think that got the most like views and everything and kind of got, got the ball rolling in terms of just, I'm like, oh, I'll just keep making videos. And, keep and I think, didn't the league help you push that one out too? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, they did. Um, and they actually posted about passing the salt as well. I think. Yeah. So I gotta. I, I've I've kind of been stumped. I've, I've kind of, in terms of the the technique and the whole staying sharp idea that I started about. <laughs> I haven't really thought of much more, but I'm I'm hoping to at least come out with a couple more. Hopefully here in, in a couple. Weeks. I mean, we still got plenty of time at home, so. Um, uh, hopefully I come up with something else in the next couple of weeks. Nah, man, the, uh, the, the passing assault, man, I, I, you know, I commented on that. I was like, what yeah. if you could do that with a beer? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, if I did though, I would, I would probably bust it and then and that'd be horrible. It's a waste of a good beer. Right on. Well, Hey man, you know, we've, we've enjoyed you. We've enjoyed this time with you yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and, and one last thing really is, uh, is we want to know, like, you got any, I mean, we understand we're all social distancing, but of course at some point you won't be. So you got any big plans for your 29th birthday tomorrow? Uh, I don't. And that's so upsetting that my birthday is happening during <laughs> all this. Um, no, no plans at all. Um, I think some of the guys who you know, live close by, we may do like a little dinner or something, just hang out. It's really about it. Just going to be in my apartment all day. I got my dog, got my wife. I guess I'm not, do I? <laughs> well, happy birthday, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, man. Happy happy early 29th birthday. I was... Man, man. Yeah. Welcome to 29, man. We're the same age. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, I can't say I'm happy to be here, but... Uh, <laughs> 30's coming up. Just a number, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, Caitlin, we like I said, we we're happy to have you on the show. Um, you know, thank you so much for giving us this hour with you, twelve minutes yeah, extra too, as well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So uh, hopefully we'll be out of this soon, and uh, you can get back to practicing because I I know that that you got to be wait, wait wanting to you know get back yeah. out with the guys, get back into your shape, and yeah. get back on the pitch for us. So. Uh, you know, have a great rest of your weekend. Again, happy birthday, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good day. Yeah, thank you, Kaylin. We'll see you. Thank you. Thank see you. Peace. Peace. Right on. So we just had Kaylin riding on the show. Uh, definitely enjoyable to uh, spend some time with him. We apologize for any uh, internet lagging, but apparently we're all on the internet trying to stay uh, stay busy. So hope that you get the most out of the time that we spent with him and uh, we'll see all of you in the next episode. But before we go, Alicia, where can people find you on the internet? 
Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at exclusive underscore Alicia, the same name for Instagram as well. And on Facebook, you can find me under Alicia Arias. And Josh Kaskinen, where can we find you on the internet? I mean, just probably the easiest way is searching my name, Josh Kaskinen. Um, but my Twitter handle is at J underscore Kasky. So, um, right, right on. And I'm Chris Walker. You can find me at by Chris Walker on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely uh, shoot me a DM. Well, I mean, add me as a friend first and then shoot me a DM. Let us know. Uh, and, and, of course, if you're seeing the, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a, a rating and leave us a comment about maybe an episode that you've listened to that you've enjoyed. Follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other major podcast uh, platform that you listen to. Thank you to the BGN for always posting the shows out and for Roughneck and Icarus for retweeting. Uh, you've, listen, you've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, and we're out of here. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss an episode, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.